For BYU-Idaho Radio, this is Morgan White. Joining me today is Catherine White, a nutrition and cancer coach who lives in Canada. She provides virtual workshops about learning to thrive with cancer, and one of those workshops is offered in Idaho Falls. So Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. Would you mind just kind of introducing yourself and giving me a background about um, the work that you do, uh, where you're from, where you're currently working from as well, all that good stuff. Perfect. Yeah. So my name is Catherine White, and I am in uh, Ontario, Canada, actually. And so I work from my home as a cancer support coach for people who are living with cancer. And I came to that as my career um, after being a teacher. I was a public school teacher for a really long time and felt um, the busy mom life. I had two teenage boys when when I ended up getting sick. My boys were teenagers. My husband was a busy um, businessman away from home all of the time. I was stressed at work. There was a lot of mitigating factors, but I didn't realize that I wasn't healthy, I thought I was doing everything right until I started to have some health issues, fatigue and a few other symptoms that were indicating that things were off. So in the fall of 2014, I started to do some investigation into what was going on in my body. And in January of 2015, I was told that I had stage four colon cancer. Oh, my goodness. So yeah, that's how we felt too. We, we were a little bit taken aback by that. I was expecting there, we knew that there was a cancer version going on of something, but um, when they told us that it was stage four, so it was in my colon and in my liver and in my lymph nodes, that was a little bit of a shocker for us. So yeah. from there, we just, we kept moving forward and I had a few major surgeries in 2015 and uh, some chemotherapy. And at the end of 2015, they said, okay, you're healthy, go live your life. And I didn't know what that meant anymore. I was like, I don't, I don't know who I am anymore. You know, we, we worked really hard to stay positive through the whole thing, to support our teenagers through the whole thing, like a whole year, literally January to December of living with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I felt like my identity was gone. I had quit my teaching job. I wasn't going back because I knew that it wasn't helpful for me. And we were able to make that work. So I just started digging into like, not the why. I never questioned why this happened, but I wanted to know what can I do with this? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the lesson and, and what changes can I make and how can I bring this into a place of service to other people because I was just so grateful to still be with my family, to still be here. So I learned a lot about nutrition and the impact that food has on our body. And then I went and took my yoga teacher certification and really started to reconnect with my spirit, with my soul and understanding where a few pieces had gone astray there and, you know, connected back to my inner self and my, my why, my purpose. And then I started running workshops for nutrition and teaching yoga classes. And one day in 2020, I finally was able to, um, I guess, embrace my cancer story and turn that into the coaching that I now bring out to other people to help them to understand that this doesn't have to stop your life. There's a version of life that you can have with cancer. 
mm-hmm. and that it's possible. Certainly. Thank you so much for giving me a background of what the journey has been like for you. And you mentioned, you said it was 2020 is when you um, started these workshops to help others and and kind of um, share your story. Was that correct? 2021, um, I started the, the actual cancer workshops. Prior to that, I had been doing nutrition workshops. But gotcha. the, um, the cancer-related workshops started in November of 2021. And that was part of my whole, moving through my whole process for myself and my own healing of really addressing, like, you don't have to be stuck anymore, Catherine. You can move forward, and how am I going to do that? How, how, um, what made you, like, what prompted you to have that response of, in moving forward now, the next step is sharing my story and helping other people? What What made that switch for you? That's a great question. So there's two pieces, I think, to that. One is um, the medical system is really good at what the medical system does. And I put complete faith in my medical practitioners, my health team. I, I give them all the credit in the world for knowing what to do for me on the medical side. But I recognized that there there's a missing piece, at least in my world, there was a missing piece of that everyday life support. And so for me, it became, how do I bridge that gap? Like I know that the doctors are going to do what the doctors are going to do, but how do I help people to get up every day? How do I, how did I help myself to start with? Like, what did I do to get myself moving forward? And then being able to, I guess that's the second piece is being able to take it and apply it to service. Like really it's service before self, right? I did the self stuff Mm -hmm. and then I was able to move into a place of service because there really is a need for people to have a life outside of the doctor's office. Yes, very much so. And that's something that I, um, I very much saw in the kind of summary that that I found for the workshops that are offered um, virtually, you know, through Idaho Falls was you mentioned what is life like beyond the doctor's office once you leave the chair, you know, leave the office. What do you do next? Um, what is I guess what is that either support system that you go to or the things you do now for yourself outside of the medical aspect, I guess. So um I, and I love that you had that focus and that that's where your journey took you is, okay, well, let's share it with other people. So in the past, since it's only been um, a handful of months then since November 2021 that you started the cancer workshop specifically, how has that gone for you? The people you've met and talked to, what are your thoughts on, on how it's going so far? It is such a beautiful experience. It really is. Like, the people who come to the space, it's a virtual space. It's all online. Um, and I, I have sent it out to places like Idaho Falls because cancer doesn't have any boundaries, right? It doesn't, mm-hmm. there's no borders. And so to maximize the impact, the, the reach, I put it out virtually to all these places. And so I'm getting people from across the United States and actually from England and from Canada who come. And it's just so beautiful to see people who are diving into their own health and wellness. I'm curious about there has to be more than just doctor's appointments. There has to be more than, than just getting up every day and not knowing what the next step is. So in the workshops, you know, people share, some people share, not everybody does, but 
we go through these strategies and support systems that are in place and, and the questions that come out and the comments that come out from people about what it really looks like, because I know what it really looks like because I'm in my own version of it. I have been in my version of the cancer system. Mm-hmm. So these conversations just sort of evolve and, and the gratitude I'm not doing it for gratitude. That's not what I mean. I'm not doing it because I want people to, you know, say how wonderful and all of the great things. I'm doing it because I want people to see that there's a possibility, that there's always a possibility. And so we leave these these three days. It's over three days and we leave these three days. And some people reach out again and comment to me and ask questions. And some people don't, but they also will say, you know, you've inspired me to to start making changes, or um, I'm just so grateful to see that there are survivors, that there are people who can move forward in their life. And and I think that's just what it's really about is, is not um, the platitudes that come from doing it, but knowing that people are going to start trying to, to manage their own life with cancer. Yeah. Have there, um, are there any particular experiences that, um, people shared with you that have really stuck with you and helped add to that motivation you have of sharing your story and inspiring others to to focus on their personal wellness any personal stories you'd like to share um one of the things that comes up in almost every workshop is people always say i don't understand where everybody went all where are all of my friends where's all my family i'm so lonely in this experience because it is very lonely and so that just really resonates with me in terms of trying to to help people to find ways to reach out for support to ask people and one of the things i was thinking about was you know in terms of caregivers asking for help is hard and so the people that are coming to the workshop are actually asking for help they're actually in their own way, looking for help, which in itself is beautiful. And they want strategies on how do I talk to my friends? How do I talk to my family? How do I eat? But I was thinking, as I was saying about the caregivers, and one of the things that perhaps can be a takeaway for your listeners is if you know somebody who is living with cancer in their house, we don't always know how to ask for help because we don't know what to ask for. Mm-hmm. It, it can be really hard to know what you need. So, so the question of what can I do to help you, maybe that can be reframed, and we talk about this in the workshop, reframing that as um, I can help you buy, or I would like to help you buy. I would like to cut your lawn every Thursday. I will come over and cut your lawn for you. I will get your groceries for you. I will take your kids to the library. I will walk your dog. The things that become overwhelming, that when you're living in cancer, it's it's really like you just don't know what you don't know and you don't know what you need. So it's kind of things like that, I guess, to come back to your question, like what kind of stuff comes up and what do people share? It's really, there's a lot of talk around loneliness and fear and uncertainty and, and how do you get up every day and keep moving forward? And there's some really beautiful people that are doing some very beautiful things and they just want to know that they're on the right track. Certainly. I'm glad that you brought up um, for maybe neighbors or friends of those who are going through their own cancer journey. Um, you know, how can you rephrase or just reframe the the desire to help and, and make it um, 
make it a little bit easier for someone to answer saying, yeah, actually that offer to, to cut my lawn would be really helpful. So to come up with ideas like that to offer to their friends and loved ones um, who have cancer uh, right now, um, do you just suggest that they kind of sit down and think, okay, if I were in their situation, what are some things I'd be struggling with right now? Um, and maybe those are the things that I can offer to help my friend with. Are those the strategies maybe they can use to come up with ideas? Because for me, I have a huge desire to help, um, but sometimes a fear of offering the wrong thing or um, or being you know a bother keep, keeps me back from actually offering that help. So what are some strategies maybe for the people on the outside that they can can do um, to come prepared with those uh, those very specific and helpful offers? That's a really great question. I love too that you said I don't want to bother people. And that is one of the fears of people on the outside is like, well, they've got these things going on and they're busy with appointments and I don't want to bother them. I don't want to burden them. I don't want to, maybe they're sleeping, all of those things. So what, what friends and family can do, they can almost come together. I, I had one family that they created a whole meal plan support group. And so I gave them all the recipes. This is what your friend is allowed to be able to eat based on her diagnosis. And then they just farmed it all out. Okay, you're in charge of Monday, you're in charge of Tuesday. And that a lot of people find that happens at the beginning of the process. But there are people that are living with cancer for years and years and years. And so I think one of the things is coming up with a sustainable plan of how can we be here for our friend or our family member for the long game, because this might be the long game for them. So getting together and having a conversation, really thinking about your friend or family member, like what do they enjoy, whether it's the caregiver or the patient, like what do they really, before they got cancer, what did they like? They liked going for walks. They liked golfing. They liked going, you know, kayaking on the river. They liked going to this little coffee shop and having that little treat. Like thinking about those kinds of things. If you think about the person without them having cancer, who are they and what would they want to be doing? Mm. And then come up with creative ways to do that. So maybe they can't go for a five-mile hike, but maybe they need to go for a 10-minute walk. And they can't do that by themselves. Like it's just there's so many little pieces that that can be overlooked because in our normal daily you no know, cancer lives, we just don't think of those little things as being really big things. If for me, after surgery, after my liver surgery, walking around the block was hard. And I needed to have somebody with me. And my husband was able to be with me. But if a friend could reach out and say, hey, you know what? husband, caregiver, why don't you go to the coffee shop or whatever it is that you like to do with your friends or by yourself and I'll take them for a walk or I'll just come and sit with them and be in the house while they have a nap mm -hmm. in case they need something. Definitely. I love all those suggestions that you gave and pointing out, think of the person just as they are, their identity. You know, cancer um, might define kind of the road that they have to travel from here on out, but that doesn't mean it defines the person who's traveling on that road still. So so think to their core, what do they enjoy doing? What are things that fundamentally have always been important to them? And focus on those things to help uh, to help solidify their identity, which sometimes might be in a bit of a crisis at these moments, um, but also just to give them a sense of um, just an anchor, maybe not normalcy, because, you know, normal 
constantly changes and adapts mm. with things like this. So I love that response. Thank you for um, for sharing that. With the workshops themselves, I know they're three days long, and it seems like every day you have um, a new focus, whether it's body, mind, or spirit. And so could you kind of go into more detail about what you focus on each of the days for the workshop and what you help people Mm -hmm. um, come to grips with or think through and kind of prepare for? Yeah. So on the first day, we do a lot of talking about um, the person themselves. And so one of my one of the taglines that I use is you are not your diagnosis. And so it's really about understanding how you got to the place where you are, not why, because, because we don't know why we end up with cancer. There's, there's so many mitigating factors. So the first day is getting around, like you didn't do this. This is a medical situation that's happening in your body, but there are things that you can do to manage that now. So we do a lot of talking around stress reduction and stress management, which is really important because stress causes inflammation in our body and we want to keep inflammation down so that our cells can heal. And we talk about, um, we touch on a little bit what we'll talk about on the third day about some, about nutrition, that what you eat, what you put in and on your body is so important. It's so vital to understand that we are, um, you know, beautiful human beings with this beautiful body and we need to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And food and movement are huge pieces of taking care of ourselves. So that's kind of where we go on the first day, like really just getting into the space, sort of understanding where things are going. And we talk about, the first thing that I do is talk about like, where are you right now? And the obvious answer is, well, I'm, I'm living with cancer. I have cancer. But the the bigger concept that we dive into is, but what is actually happening right now? Are you going for surgery? Are you in treatment? Like really think about where you are right now. And then I ask the question, where do you want to be? Which we address on the third day. Like, where do you want to be? I want to be healthy. I want to be positive. I want to see my kids graduate from high school. Like anything is possible for you to know where you want to be. And so then the second day is about how are you going to get there? Like, what are we going to do to help you get to that place of getting up every day and living in joy, not living in fear, you know, having that goal in mind, if I want to go to my kid's graduation or birthday party, or I want to meet to my 10th wedding anniversary or whatever that is. So the second day, we really talk about the mind and how we can allow our thoughts to control us and stay stuck in our past and in our history or stay stuck in fear or we can learn how to say to our brain, thank you, but I'm actually going to take this one and turn it into a win or make a positive affirmation out of it. Gratitude practices every day. We, and I talk about this waking up every single day and having gratitude for even the smallest thing. Because everything is a gift. Everything we have is a beautiful gift. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard to see when you're in the muddy waters of cancer. So day two is really like, Let's talk about what's happening in your thoughts and how you can reframe those thoughts to make this situation a little bit easier, a little more manageable. And then day three, we bring it all together and dive a little deeper into nutrition, loving and caring for your body, nurturing the the movement aspect of your body, but all of that to come together, you know, to really address your soul or your spirit whichever you prefer to call it, your essence of who you are, your heart center, 
like really loving yourself where you are with what's happening. And that can be hard, but there are things that you can do to love and nurture your spirit. And, and that's different for everybody, but it's to help people uncover that there is still something out there that you can do that reconnects you to yourself. Mm-hmm. Beings that it's a virtual, um, uh, a virtual workshop, are there, is there some sort of like a discussion board where people can be actively commenting or sharing thoughts and ideas or just, you know, responding to things um, as you work through the workshop about how long does it last every day? Uh, kind of those details, too. So it's an hour because I, I try to respect I'm in the Eastern time zone. So I try to I did it over the lunch hour um, for me, which is breakfast if you're Pacific, I suppose. Um <laughs> But it's just one hour and I try to be very mindful of people's time because, you know, everybody has other things going on in their world. Um, in terms of outside of the workshop and in a chat group or anything, I don't have that inside of the chat or inside of the workshop. I make the, the chat available for people who prefer not to be on camera mm-hmm. or not to have their their voice heard because it's, this is respecting people where they are and their privacy. Because um, not everybody is at the place where I am, where I'm like very comfortable talking about this. Mm-hmm. So they can exercise their voice in the chat. And then after the fact, as I mentioned, you know, people will have my email address and people reach out and ask questions and that's okay too. Oh, gotcha. So it's it's more of, since it's an hour long, it's more of a moment where you can share these things and kind of spark ideas for them, uh, give them a, a a sounding, well, kind of a baseboard to jump off from uh, to, to begin or initiate things uh, if they're if they're planning on changing anything with their nutrition or routine, you know, ideas and things like that. Is that correct? Yes, it's a very in the moment um, event. But having said that, if if people want to take it to the next step, if they want to do more work, then I always make the offer that I am a cancer support coach and I do work privately with people. And that's a personal decision whether people want to do that or not. And so I just get on a call with people who want to do a little exploration into that, have a chat about what it looks like, and then we decide whether that's something that they're comfortable with or they're ready for or that they they want to try. That's wonderful. Are there other resources that um, either you share with them through email or uh, in the in the workshop itself, whether it be national organizations, depending on where they live, um, or other support groups that that you offer and say, here are also, you know, some great people to talk to, um, stories to to read through, inspiration maybe for your own life. That's a really good question. I might need to dive a little deeper into that on my own. If it comes <laughs> up, like some people will say, oh. I'll- I'm in this area of Ontario and there's this program available or um, I'm not hugely familiar with the, the state system. I have a client in Minnesota, so she's sort of educated me on the Mayo Clinic and support networks that are available that way. There's certainly online Facebook groups that if people are on Facebook that they can go to. Um, there are apps now. There's one called War on Cancer. I, I have some philosophical differences with the word war on cancer. Um, I like to think of it as thriving through cancer, but that, that is what the app is called. And so that has support systems in place. There's always the American Cancer Society that will have um, programs available. 
and and maybe even just something in your local area that people haven't thought to look into. Certainly. You mentioned um, how you prefer to use, you know, certain terms over another, or you like to reframe uh, certain phrases that have become common in, in the culture that you, you try to change it up a little bit to help, you know, instill kind of instill a different mindset about their journey with cancer. And so can you share some of those um, some of those phrases or ideas and I guess mottos that you like to include in the workshops to help people change their frame of mind when they think about cancer? Yeah, there's a whole section in the work- workshop where I talk about um, sort of the metaphor of the sick child. Like how would you speak to a child if they were sick? Would you use words like fight and dig in and put on your battle armor and go to war. Like I wouldn't speak to my children that way. I can't speak to how other people do, but I think like with a child, we would be more soothing and gentle and, you know, rub their back and like, I'm here, I've got you, it's okay. And so I feel like that's how we should speak to ourselves to be more gentle with ourselves, to remember that we are, we are a human being having a human experience and, and sometimes going into it with a, an angry disposition, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel all of the emotions. But what if you could just say it in a different way? Mm-hmm. What if you could just say, um, like, I don't even use the word journey because that makes me feel like I should have a backpack and be walking <laughs> through the mountains in Switzerland or something. I call it my walk with cancer. And to me, that feels like that's something that is manageable. Like I can get up every day and go for a walk. And I, and you are not your diagnosis. You are not your diagnosis. That's the medical thing that's happening to you. Live to thrive, living to thrive, thrive in life. But again, that's my own personal take on it. And for some people, I know some very amazing people who are living with cancer and they use that stronger language because that's motivational for them. And that inspires them to get up every day and keep moving forward. So it's really a personal choice. I just, I think that's maybe the maybe the yoga teacher in me just softening the language a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> softening it. It it but it also sort of breaks it down a little bit. Like you said, some people might feel invigorated if they look at it as a battle, as a war to to win, whereas others are like a war is a really big thing to just enter into. A walk I can definitely manage instead. So, I love that there is a yeah. difference between the terminology we use and how it applies to different people and where they're at with their experience. And that's just it, right? The experience is so different for everybody. You could line five people up who all have the same diagnosis, but it's not the same experience. Mm -hmm. It can be the same cancer, but it's not the same experience because we're all individuals and our bodies, how we've eaten, how we've lived, how we've moved, what we believe, all of these pieces make up who we are. And so, yeah, for one person, that battle cry is absolutely what's going to keep them moving forward where someone else that might be too agitating for them. And they just want to go, I just want to go on a little walk. I'm just going to go on a walk because I can handle that. Yes. I'm, I'm probably more of the walk type as well. I like to just calm it down because then I feel like I can handle it in one piece. So, um, (laughs) since you have, um, so many of these workshops available in different parts of the world. You know, you've got the United States, United Kingdom, Canada. Um, what are some challenges maybe that you've come up against as you've tried to offer these workshops in different places? Maybe it's 
based on where they're from, people have different perceptions of either cancer or the healthcare system, and they're kind of battling through um, differences that other people from other states or countries wouldn't understand. How have you kind of confronted those challenges and tried to work through them? It doesn't come up a lot. That comes up more um, when I start getting into coaching calls. But that's a really good question because, I mean, time zones, first of all, managing people in different time zones because our friends in the UK are six hours ahead of me. Oh, wow. So, and I think I'm two hours ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, managing that piece. Technology is always a challenge. Um, you know, how to, how to get people. Zoom can be great some days and not other days. Um, but in terms of like the healthcare system, I I have to admit my client in Minnesota has taught me a great deal about the American healthcare system that it's, it's a little different here in Canada. We have a different system. And so that has given me a really beautiful perspective that when I'm talking to people and, and offering, um, ideas for what we call adjuvant therapies, like massage therapy or, um, you know, energy healing, if you're into that, acupuncture, those kinds of things, being mindful that cost is a factor for some people. Mm-hmm. We don't pay for our health care in Canada. We are taxed <laughs> so that our health care is paid for by our taxes. And so that's really, that was a good eye-opener for me to remember that that sometimes people don't have the money to do the, the things that might be available to them, but on day three of the workshop, I give them a whole list of things that you can do for self-care that don't cost anything. Cost should not be inhibiting to finding joy every day. That's wonderful. And it shouldn't be, you know, inhibiting, but I think at times we, we allow cost or the idea of the only way I can receive this kind of treatment or this kind of experience to help with my, my situation is through paying, you know, tons of money, but that's not always true. So I'm glad that you include um, so many different ideas and avenues that people anywhere in the world can try um, specifically to help them in their situation. So that's wonderful to know. Is there any sort of a fee associated with joining these workshops or being coached with you one-on-one? I do charge for coaching. That is, that's a a private business that I have. Um, And there are payment options that come along with that, but the workshops themselves are free. And I made them free because I want people who perhaps don't have access to coaching or other modalities to have an opportunity to at least be exposed to things that they can do. And then they can find other ways to, to navigate that based on where they are in their life. So no charge for the workshop. Awesome. Is there a website uh, where people can go to sign up for the workshop? Yes. My website is uh, www.catherinewhite.coach. Awesome. So it's, yeah, my name, I'm, my mom blessed me with a different spelling of my name. So it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, white. Perfect. <laughs> I always I always like to ask to make sure I can include that um, information for people too, for them to, to find the resource if they'd like to access it. So, um, man, I it's just awesome hearing about the things that you're doing, you know, the things that are included in the workshop. And um, I, I shared this with you in the, the list of interview questions, but my grandmother recently passed away from her, her four year, um, I guess, battle with cancer. 
<laughs> there I go using battle. But she she had a wonderful perspective um, and outlook. Uh, my other grandmother, who was also going through cancer at the same time, she had a regime where she was um, pulverizing these these mineral pills every day and taking all this tonic and all these vegetables and roots. And um, she had a very strict schedule with what she would nourish her body with. And, and it seemed to help her physically. So she'd tell my other grandma, you know, you have a great outlook, but I think you're, you need to be doing a little bit more physically nutrition wise to help kick to help kick what's going on, but also to help when you take radiation or chemotherapy, these things help rejuvenate you afterwards. So it was very interesting to see their two different um, experiences with cancer. And um, and I'm grateful that still both of them had positive outlooks, not positive in the sense of I'm going to you know kick this and, and I'm going to make it through and, and live so much longer, but more they were just they were like, we're going to enjoy the time we have. We're going to do all that we can to stay as healthy and positive as possible. But ultimately, you know, whenever life ends for us is when it ends. So we're not going to kind of fight that. And I know there's a lot of fear and, and pain and resentment and everything else associated with um, getting a diagnosis and then uh, maybe watch someone decline in health and possibly die. So for those um, people who maybe haven't gotten the most positive positive diagnosis, not saying that they are going to be dying soon because our bodies are incredible and pull through things in ways that no one can kind of predict. But for those who maybe don't have a positive outlook or who are afraid that it's that death is coming sooner than, than they might be ready for, what is some advice or things that you would share with them to help them know that they can still have a fulfilling time either on their own or with family and friends and they can still find joy in the time that they do have left? Mm, that's a beautiful question. I think it's important for people to remember to love themselves. And when you're told that you have cancer, there can be a lot of anger and resentment, as you said, and, and even the why, and did I do this? And it's really important to not live in that anger, to feel it, to express it, to get those emotions out, but to know that on the other side of anger, there is joy. And on the other side of chaos, there is peace. And we need to have both to find the other. We can't have joy without having an, a not joyful experience. And so feel the emotions, allow them to go through your body, exercise them in, in the way that they need to be exercised, whether that's throwing rocks in the lake or, you know, yelling outside in your backyard, like really, because it's such a physical thing, but having that outlet to allow the body to move into peace and into joy. And I said earlier, you know, being grateful every day. And I know that can feel hard. I, I do a gratitude practice every day. And the first thing I say every day is I'm grateful for my husband and my children and this beautiful family we've created together. The second thing I say is I'm grateful for my body and my health and my medical team and all the support that I have. And then the third thing is my random gratitude thought for the day. And that might just be that the sun is shining. It doesn't have to be complicated. But when we speak in gratitude to ourselves and we practice gratitude, it raises our our happy hormones in our body. It elevates our, our spirit and our mind. And then we can feel joy. And even just smiling can help you to bring that into your life. It's not all sunshine and lollipops. I know that. I I have been through this walk and had very hard days. But there are people 
who will help to elevate you if you allow them into your space. A very quick story. I woke up one day early on and I was feeling completely defeated. I was pulling the blankets over my head and I wasn't getting out of bed and I was really not okay. And a friend sent me a message. I was, of course, checking my messages before I decided to pull the covers over my head. (laughs) And this friend that I hadn't seen in 20 years sent me a message and said, I just wanted you to know that I'm thinking about you today. That was it. That simple. And from that moment on, I thought, if there is one person out there who is thinking about me and what I'm going through, then that is a motivation to keep living joyfully as best as I can. Keep drinking water. Keep moving your body. If there's something that you really love, I have people ask me all the time, like, it's my child's birthday party coming up and we're having cake. Is it okay if I have a piece of cake? Is the cake going to bring you joy? Are you, are you going to choose to not have joy and watch everybody else have the joy? Or are you going to choose to just live that moment and have the joy in that moment? Because really the moment is all that we have. We don't know what's actually coming. Mm-hmm. We just have to find the ways to, to get going and moving forward every day. Surround yourself with people that you love. The people that don't show up, give them grace. They don't, they don't understand and they can't understand. And isn't it a blessing and a gift that they don't understand? Because if they did understand, that means they've had the experience themselves. Right. They've also partaken in that suffering, which not that it's, you know, great that any of us go through it, but it's nice to know that some people don't have to go through it as well. So I like that you brought up the, um, the, idea and the the gift of grace giving that to other people who don't understand and who aren't there maybe for their own reasons or just because they're oblivious so that's um Mm -hmm. that's wonderful thank you for sharing that I think I think it'll definitely help the listeners who who are listening and who can relate to either this topic because they've lived through it or are going through it or their friends and family are so um I greatly appreciate the time and things that you've shared it's been wonderful talking to you Catherine Thank you so much, Morgan. I'm just so grateful that you reached out. I really, truly wish that everyone didn't have to go through this, but if they're going to go through it, it's important to know you don't have to go through it alone and that there are resources out there. And if we can just keep spreading that message around to other people, then they can they can do this. That was Catherine White, a nutrition and cancer coach who lives and works in Canada. You can find more information about the workshops that she offers, as well as sign up for a personal one-on-one coaching session with her at katherinewhite.coach. Catherine's name is spelt K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. This is Morgan White with BYU-Idaho Radio.